0: We got what it takes for the cycle to break
1: revolution is in me I, I belong I belong I belong Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast I'm your host Jade Bryce and I am a certified love intimacy and relationship coach i help women reconnect to their bodies and their pleasure and i help men to become a safe space for that by becoming fully embodied leaders the mission of this podcast is to expand our capacity in living untamed and unashamed as we navigate life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster and celebrating our bravery and all of it along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are. So I invite you to open your heart and be untamed and unashamed. The first book that I read from today's guest was titled Your Brain on Love. And it was about the neurobiology of healthy relationships. And I learned so much about myself when it came to my relationship attachment style. And I think I was about 29 at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 39 next month. So it was about 10 years ago. And it was all really new information to me. And so I, was, I felt like I was just discovering so much about myself when it came to that relationship attachment style and what my needs were according to that style. Felt so empowering for me. And I then read Wired for Love, Relationship RX, and his most recent book, In Each Other's Care. When I read that first book about 10 years ago, I was on a bus while backpacking South America. And I would have never imagined that one day I'd have a podcast and I would be able to sit with him personally and ask him questions. This is such a blessing. And I'm so thankful for all of you who support the show through reviews and shares. It means so much. So hand to heart. Thank you. I was really touched while reading his last book, In Each Other's Care, to feel that my partner and I already do a lot of what's in the book. It made me feel even more gratitude for my partner and my partnership. It's like he naturally knows how to keep me feeling like I'm in his care. I will say that. I did not relate that way until I was with him. I felt safety with him to show up in that way because I could really feel his integrity. And there is a level of respect that comes with that. With all that said, even still, my anxious attachment can show up pretty strong at times. And so I'm so excited to talk to today's guest about how to become more of a secure attachment style. So our guest today is a clinician, researcher, teacher, and developer of a psychobiological approach for couples therapy, also known as PACT. He has a clinical practice in Calabasas, California, and developed the PACT Institute for the purpose of training other psychotherapists to use it. Please help me welcome Dr. Stan Tatkin to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi.
2: Hi, Jade. How are you?
1: I'm great. I was telling the listeners before you jumped on, when I first read your book, it was at least a decade ago, Your Brain on Love. I was backpacking across South America and I was reading it on a bus and man, I had not had a healthy relationship yet. And I remember feeling while reading that book, like not only was I learning so much about myself and my my attachment style and the ways that I needed to feel love and reassurance, but it it, it really gave me hope to be able to relate in a healthy way and coming from so much trauma where I never had that hope before I had, I didn't have that model for me. Reading a book that really gave um, like practical tools. I mean, it, it really made me feel like, Oh, I can do this. So your work is so powerful and I'm so excited to share it with the listeners today. Cause I know that there, there's many people out there that don't feel like they had healthy models for relating and books like yours are, for some, the first taste that they have of that. So, thank
2: yeah. you. Um, I'm so glad it helped you.
1: Yeah, it really has. And um, we'll get into a little bit more about uh <laughs> My anxious attachment still tries to run the show a lot of the times, even though I've been deep in your work for about a decade. But maybe first, um, because I know that your recent book, In Each Other's Care, yeah. um, I I have uh, read that as well. And when we discuss that, we'll likely be describing secure attachment quite a bit. So maybe first we can go into what the attachment styles are and what it is to be securely attached.
2: Sure. Being securely attached um, can happen at any time in life.
0: Mm-hmm. study
2: it mostly in infancy uh, before about 18 months, 10 to 18 months. And it's the felt sense of the infant, child, adolescent adult, of feeling safe and secure with the person who is primary or the people who are primaries, uh, uh, starting with the, the originals, right, the caregivers. Uh, and that felt sense has to do with being able to feel there's a secure base to run to. I'm a toddler, I'm a baby, whatever. I can always go to my caregiver for emotional refueling, and I can also explore the non-caregiver world without terrible consequence, right? I can cling, I can distance, uh, and either way, my caregiver is there and provides a secure base for me to go to and check in and to emotionally refuel. Mm -hmm. If I'm insecure, I either get stuck Uh, developmentally at the clinging side because of a certain parental style that I experience Uh, we should remember that this is not a personality this is an adaptation to one's environment right Mm -hmm. the multitudes of interactions that exist prenatally I mean postnatally rather there's no research in prenatal but postnatally and uh, and those repeated experiences really help us uh, in our bodies, know how we're gonna move toward and away from the most important people in our life, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm on the clinging side, I had a parent who was needy and needed uh, emotional regulation themselves and really wanted me to be close and nearby and cute and cuddly and and sweet and dependent and, and little, right? But also because I would cling, uh, I would frustrate and overwhelm that parent who would alternately push me away and Mm -hmm. tell me, you know, play by myself and I'm getting on their nerves and so on like that. So I had this push me, pull you experience where I started to feel ambivalent, started to feel like I couldn't trust the caregiver and I wouldn't know what to do. So I would cling and uh, I would wait for uh, whether it was okay or not, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and I get really kind of whiny and and a complainy and so on like that. Well, you know, fast forward, I'm a wave. We call them waves in my book. Yeah. Uh, they're called differently and in, uh, in in the, the research and the literature. Uh, and I uh, I tend to be angry and resistant uh, when I've uh, reunited with someone I'm depending on. Uh, after separation, I tend to get very anxious with separations. I'm very sensitive to withdrawals. i very sensitive to uh, any signals that I'm not wanted, rejection, abandonment, uh, anger, and punishment. And I tend to do those things myself. I tend to punish and get angry and and push away. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I can be a handful, but um, th- th- really the, the attachment... Uh, Insecurity is a memory of what happens when I depend. It only happens when I depend on someone. Or I can be in the distancing group um, of insecures. I'm also anxious, by the way. Uh, I'm anxious about being smothered, being interfered with, uh, being intruded upon, because I was neglected a lot on an attachment level. I spent a lot of time alone, and I adapted to it and when you caregiver come in to be with me or to uh, do something with me i feel intruded upon i feel annoyed bothered because the way i'm taking care of myself is fine now uh, and you're interfering plus i always feel it's for you it's never for me i feel like i'm being used a lot so i feel that resentment but I cannot complain, so I act compliant. And then I cannot wait until you leave so I can go back to playing and go back to what I normally do myself. Uh, In my family, my caretakers cared a lot about performance and appearance. So on both sides of the insecure spectrum, um, we have a culture that puts more emphasis on the self and less emphasis on relationship. So secures mm-hmm. put more emphasis on the relationship and the self, but uh, but the relationship tends to come uh, first.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the
2: difference, really. By the way, in the distancing, we call them islands. And these yeah. are the people who do all the distancing and the dismissiveness and so on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually really appreciate that you call them islands and waves and anchors because when you hear... Uh, anxious, avoidant and secure, obviously you're going to think that the secure is like, you you kind of pedestal that one. And then if you're anxious or avoidant, you kind of want to, I'm not anxious, I'm not avoidant because it doesn't feel good. But to say I'm a wave, especially as a woman, like I kind of feel a little bit more and not that I, I mean, I do desire to move towards secure attachment, but there's so much less shame. I feel like in people accepting their attachment Mm -hmm. style when we call them waves and islands instead of anxious and avoidant. Uh, people
2: should understand that to be an anchor or secure doesn't, uh, doesn't rule you out as being a pain in the ass. <laughs> all human beings, this is really a human being issue. That's it's correct. not just an attachment issue. All human beings are difficult up close over time. There is no such thing as a low maintenance person over time up close. And so we're all difficult, irritating, annoying, and especially disappointing. Uh, we're all aggressive and moody and fickle and and xenophobic and opportunistic and exploitive. That's the human animal, so unless l- we forget uh you know we think somebody else is a uh, pain because they're a wave, look at thyself,
1: yeah, yeah, and I know um when it comes to secure attachment you you talked about it beautifully and and you know what the insecure attachments are, and I remember um something. In your recent book, In Each Other's Care, about secure attachment that really stuck with me was that um, secu- a secure attachment relationship, they operate, and, and you said it as well, they operate as a two-person system who are in each other's care, especially when one is under stress. Yeah, whereas, like you were saying, the insecure operate as like a one-person system, me, my, I, whereas maybe the anxious is a little bit more you, your, in a, in a way. Um, oh, my, I, and you,
2: you, you, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, so when it comes to secure attachment and moving towards the uh, two-person system, what are some ways that we can do that if we have always operated as a wave or an island or an insecure attachment?
2: I think you're. I think you're also referring to secu- uh, secure functioning. So secure mm-hmm. functioning, we're differentiating um, uh, away from attachment. Secure mm-hmm. functioning is is behaviors, a set of behaviors, uh, or we could call them social contracts between you and I, of what we're going to do and what we're never going to do. Mm-hmm. It's our culture, our civilization, we develop our, so to speak, our, our 10 commandments or our, our constitution based on what we believe is fair, just, and mutually sensitive.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: a two-person psychological system is one of inter dependence, not codependence or dependency.
0: Mm-hmm. You and
2: I start off and continue to be equals, right? Shared power, shared authority. Both of us are bosses we, we, because we say so. Um, we're both generals because we say so. We're both executives because we say so. And we're both leaders. We're in charge of everyone and everything. Therefore, Everyone and everything depends on you and I working collaboratively and cooperatively with each other, always as allies, never as adversaries, because the adversaries are outside of our couple bubble. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be allies always, right? And so we have to work that way and we have to set up a structure to, to protect ourselves from each other. Uh, and that's those are our rules and guidelines, our principles by which we govern each other. And so that is everyone can do. Um, you can't just make yourself secure, right? Uh, secure, anyway, is something that is tested and imagined by researchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we're talking about behaviors that are consistent with secure attachment and therefore lower interpersonal stress. Mm-hmm. and and take threat off the table and therefore freeing up resources. So you and I, if we're not secure, we become secure, right? Development moves forward now.
1: Yeah, that's so true. The relationship that I'm in now is, uh, it is a very secure functioning relationship. It is the first relationship that I've been in where we actually do have a couple bubble and we have these 90 minute team meetings every Sunday where we, we approach things like you said as a team, as equals. And I feel that more than ever I have moved towards a secure attachment just because of that safety and security. And and it's interesting because couple bubble, like that term used to actually scare me because it felt like uh because I had been with so many abusers and manipulators, it felt like I wouldn't be safe in that bubble. And so it's really beautiful to experience it now in a secure functioning relationship. And When it comes to that safety, you write that our partner's safety is our responsibility. Can you share what that actually looks like in relationship? In
2: each other's care, and this is how this all began, it's a Mm -hmm. psychological idea that we are actually in each other's care because that's how we're wired up close. I can see what's going on in you before you can tell. You can see what's going on in me before I can tell. Were built for something called interactive regulation. ever since we are born, right, until mm-hmm. so we die, and so that is the the best form of self care is interactive regulation, along with self regulation.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so, uh, so it is more efficient for me to guarantee your safety and security at all times because I can. Right. I can. I can. I'm your handler. I'm I'm an expert on you. I have a Ph.D. on you. I should know exactly how to manage in the best way. Jade and Jade knows how to manage in the best way. Stan. Right. And so uh, and so we are experts on each other and therefore you guarantee my ongoing felt sense. Uh, safety and security in other words you don't get to decide to decide whether you're doing a good job i do
0: um
2: i don't get to decide whether i'm doing a good job you do right uh that's how it works uh, i don't get to decide whether i was yelling at you if you felt or heard i was yelling at you i was and i apologize for it that's how in each other's care works that's how secure relationships work and that the relationship's more important than being right, right? So that's how we do it. I can also, I can also guarantee, um, or at least assure, um, your well-being. I'm in charge also of your well-being. I share stock in your body, in your health, right? You do with me as well. Therefore, we're in the foxhole together. We are, uh, we are beholden to each other because our lives depend on each other in terms of safety and security and thriving because nobody else on the planet has that agreement, but you and I
1: Mm -hmm. make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And I I think one of the examples that really stuck out with me in the book was around jealousy. And you said that if one partner experiences jealousy, that is a sign of mismanagement by the other. Of course, many would say that the jealous partner is mismanaging themselves and just insecure. And so right. I love, um, I love that you brought this example because it, I mean, when it comes to being in each other's care and building up safety, this is huge. So can you go into that somehow, um, how that jealousy, um, cause I do think that most people, when they hear about a jealous partner, they just would, write them off as insecure or like that's something they need to deal with on their own.
2: Good is really good point. Um, uh, We we have to first understand that our culture is largely Island. Um, You know, don't tread on me. I'm an independent person. I don't need anybody. I'm a self-made person, right? All of these are not true. I have to love myself before I love you. Um, uh, Right. You're too needy. Um, You're too sensitive, right? All of these uh, ideas, uh, it's your problem if you're feeling jealous, grow up. Um, All of these things tend to come from the distancing group, these ideas, because Mm -hmm. if we really understood our nature as human primates, really understood how we actually are, we're much more on the dependent side than anything else. Um, We're herd animals that pair bond in herds, right? And so uh, you and I are a primary attachment system right when we enter into a romantic or best friends uh, or cop car partners or uh you know in the foxhole together we're we're primaries right because our lives depend on each other that makes us the same and uh and makes us agree on lots of things right so so um we're we're thinking we're primaries if you start to um treat a third thing, any thing other than me, with more special consideration, more more time, more interest, and I'm left out, relegated to third wheel, or I'm demoted to secondary, not primary. I'm not going to be happy, nor will you. And this is true for people all over the world. It is not. Uh, it is not culturally dependent. There's something in our psyche that doesn't. Like intruders to a dyad that's considered primary. So, uh, if I'm feeling jealous, more likely than not, you're not doing something to shore up my security by letting me know on a daily basis that I'm your person, I'm one you've chosen, um, right? You're not doing that. And I'm more sensitive to outside, uh, you know, objects and people and so on. Uh, Or you are, in fact, carrying on a relationship that is uh, behind my back. I'm not informed. Uh, it is threatening me, competing for the resources that would otherwise be mine. Uh, and that creates jealousy. It's, it's a triangle. It's a triadic situation. Envy is dyadic. Um, you have something I want. Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall, right? Uh, uh, jealousy is uh, someone is taking something I have already. And so we look to the person who, uh, not the third as the problem, the third is usually innocent. Uh, uh, we look to the other partner that is mismanaging the thirds that's creating the problem. And this, by the way, is one of the predictors of disillusion in relationships, um, especially second marriages and third marriages, because people haven't learned their lesson about mm-hmm. this, right? So that's where jealousy uh, comes from. And is it possible that somebody is paranoid or has a, you know, some kind of a paranoid disorder uh, or maybe has tremendous trauma in this area? Yeah, that's definitely possible. But the other partner is still usually implicated in some way.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times when someone is feeling all of these things that you've described, it would sound like, well, they just don't trust their partner then. And I do think that that's, I mean... Even if you know your partner is of the deepest integrity, I do think it comes down to what you were saying with just truly feeling safe in the relationship and getting those, um, you said daily. And like, for me, I've always like, that's, that's my style. I, I need it daily, but it, it has always felt needy in the past. And almost, um, to me, I feared coming off codependent. So I love that you also brought up the difference between codependency and interdependency and how we are prime, like we're primarily built to make yeah. it in this way.
2: Yes. And, and codependency really is in one direction only. Uh, mm. I'm allowing you to get away with things. I keep doing things for you in hopes you will do it for me and you don't. Mm. And instead of firing you, or having a sit down saying, hey, look, we've got to talk about this. This is not fair. Um, what do you want in a relationship? Do you want this? Do you want this? No, you don't. Okay, I do love you, but we want different things. It's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, that takes a lot of courage. And the problem with uh, codependency, and actually all of us, is the attachment system is a biological mandate, a glue that says, I can't quit you. We confuse it with love. And so uh, when it comes to principles above loss, many people go with loss. I, I, I I cannot lose you. Therefore, I will allow you to take advantage of me. I will take less. I will become under entitled. I will allow myself to be abused. All of these things because of that biological system of I can't quit you. So we have to rise above that and have to learn to put principles, our beliefs, what we think is right, and what we think is best, uh, ahead of loss, because loss, we're going to have either way, (laughs) pick your poison, Uh, I would rather go for the principled place, because that is what's going to keep us happy, not feelings and emotions, it's principles based on a purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's also powerful. And I'm curious with this, um, and how it's, it needs to be a two way when one person, um, maybe experiencing jealousy or expressing needs for daily, you know, safety or whatever it is, if the other person, even a securely attached person, um, and they may not have an island attachment style, but just the, the idea of all of that can sound very controlling to some people. Like they feel like they're being controlled if they're needing to um, operate in a certain way. What? How do you make the person feel safe that they're not being, that you're not trying to control them?
2: Well, the best way is that uh, um, the way we operate in a free society and get along uh, is that we can't do anything with each other without prior agreement and permission. Mm-hmm. So. We have to make agreements. Do we want, do we both want to do loving, uh, uh, affectionate, romantic, admiring, appreciative things for each other throughout each day? Throughout each day. Do we want to do that? Yeah. Do we want that? Right. Do we want that? Yes. You and I say we do. Okay. So, how do you want your affection? How do you want your romance? Right. I need to know how to serve you, right. how you like it. And you need to know how I like it. Right. But here's the rub. Then we have to determine, do we do it when we don't feel like it? The answer, if it's purpose centered is yes. What if we are mad at each other? The answer is yes. What about if we hate each other? The answer is yes. In all instances, We must do this because that's the purpose. We decided to set the bar there. It must be done regardless of how we feel. Therefore, it happens. It's better than a poke in the eye.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: And it's it's the way to a good life together. So I can't feel that I'm being controlled when I signed on to this and I gave you permission to enforce it lest I don't. Right? (laughs) I gave you permission. So... I up for this uh, to say that I'm being controlled doesn't make sense because wait a second, uh, I can say to you if you're complaining, wait, a minute, you agree to this. You said you wanted this, right? And you said it was okay for me to tell you when you're not doing it and to do it, right? What's what's up with that? Did you change your mind? Oh no, never mind. Sorry. Okay. So so that's that takes care of that. Hmm. that takes care of that. That's why everything is done ahead of time. You and I are constantly co-constructing, molding this thing called a relationship, which only exists in our heads. It's a mythos, a mythology, but it's shared. We decide how this relationship is going to run Mm -hmm. based on what we want, not our parents, not some other, you know, uh, talk show host or uh, Oprah or anything else we've read. We're the designers. We're the creators of this thing. So that is how people should look at this. You two sit down and decide, what is this thing called our relationship? What is our culture? What are we going to do? What are we never going to do? So say us both. And if we cannot get on the same page, we may have a deal breaker, right? Where we cannot solve that problem. That's going to be a big deal because maybe we shouldn't be together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I hadn't thought of that before, how, um, the fact that there's a choosing actually yes. eliminates the control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's consent there because typically someone being controlled, they're not consenting. So that is right. right. Or they forgot.
2: And then you just say, shut up. You know, <laughs> great. If you want to change the agreement, you we have to have another legislative meeting, but Hey, you can't do that in the middle of a, uh, uh, of uh you know our operations so do it right um mm-hmm. or if it's a something where i'm limiting you we agreed to limit each other based on an agreement uh stop it then <laughs> it's either stop it or do it and this gives us license to govern remember we're two bosses because we say so we've given each other permission to generals right you can only do that by by saying so and therefore we have to work together right? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So you do get to tell me what to do. And I do get to tell you what to do based on what we agreed previously to.
1: Yeah. And a lot of this really comes down to putting the relationship before self, which is a lot of the theme of the book, but that's another thing that I feel has been really threatened in today's culture. Do you think that's because like you said, we are kind of like an Island culture in a way, or why do you think that like that idea of relationship before self has become, like, kind of threatened?
2: Uh, If you think about it, we human beings always do better when we believe in something greater than ourselves, whether it's a moral philosophy, or whether it's God, or whether it's country, or whether it's community, or religion. Uh, But uh, it was at a certain time, romantic love. Think Romeo and Juliet, right? That really uh, bothered the church because suddenly, suddenly we were supplanting God with romantic love, right? I would die for you. Um, uh, and so we've lost that uh, because of our sense of independence and that we don't need anybody. We tell ourselves that all the time. and uh, And so there's a great deal of denial, I think about our biology and about our history and about who we are as animals. And and the way we know is by studying babies. Babies are us, Uh, children are us, we're still children. And so uh, we haven't changed that much. We've just learned to adapt more as our brain develops and we're smarter and wiser, hopefully. But when we're under stress, we're a three-year-old again. When we're under stress, we're our primitive selves. We're not so good, actually. And so we have to believe in something greater than ourselves. What better than this co-created myth- mythos called a union? You and I joining ranks, forces, uh, because we can and we're going to protect each other uh, rapidly. Don't mess with us. You know, we run all the shows, you and I, we're awesome. We're the ice skating team that's going to win the Olympics. We're the the band that's going to get a record deal. Uh, We're the company that's going to make a lot of money. You know, we're the cop car partners who are going to survive this job, right? And so we have a purpose a reason for being together and it cannot be love. It cannot be emotion because emotions come and go. It has to be based on a central purpose where we survive and thrive together. We have each other's backs uh, no matter what, Uh, right? (laughs) Radically devoted to each other's interests and and safety and security. It's a social contract, folks. It's been done throughout the history of civilization. uh, And that is what a relationship should be. It's a social contract we're set of. To That's based on terms and conditions, because human beings are fundamentally unreliable. (laughs) (laughs) I said, we have to have a structure. We have to have rules and principles.
1: Yeah. And I know um, the times that we really need to enact that is in conflict. So I'd love to dive into navigating conflict effectively. I know Mm -hmm. you teach uh, a win-win mindset. Yes. Not win-lose. Otherwise really both are actually losing, or you're with someone who feels like a loser, which doesn't feel good for either of them. So Mm -hmm. for win-win, you have to think of each other always, even when you're reacting. So, um, I'd love to dive into that. Like, how can we always come out as like win-win? And I know, uh, one thing that was really new information for me was about, uh, how you, you teach that memory influences state and state influence memory yes. so how do we keep this from intensifying our conflicts because it definitely happens to me it's like real quick it sneaks in there
2: happens to everybody uh we're all the same we're uh we're very attuned to any threat cues at all in the environment and a person is our environment and not only that they're very particular threat cues that are based on memory we're memory animals almost everything we do is by memory most of our day is fully automatic without thinking. Uh, It's all reflex and pattern recognition. Therefore, you look like you're dangerous in this moment by the tilt of your head or the rolling of your eyes. Uh, Therefore, I feel threatened by you and I must protect myself from you. must protect my interests, which makes me quite unfriendly to you, right? (laughs) And uh, this happens extremely easy. So we have to plan for these things ahead of time before we go live because these things happen at lightning speeds everybody who's been through it knows this is true suddenly we're at odds' or suddenly we're at each other's throats how do we get here we don't know um, but uh, in my uh, in my research I studied hundreds of couples using digital frame analysis um, mm-hmm. and that's why watching frame by frame uh, going, Forward slow motion, back mo, you know, back slow motion, uh, f- uh, double speed, and so on. You can start to see how we as animals actually operate uh, in real time, um, and uh, and real time is really fast. So we have to learn how our own mind works. We have to learn how easy it is to become um, a one-person thinking individual of me, my, and I. This is a team sport, which means. That you and I operating as a two-person psychological system, as we and us, have to think about ourselves and the other at the same time, or we will fight. That's basically the formula. Simple, really hard to do, especially under stress, right? Because we will revert to one-person thinking. So we have to grow up and discipline ourselves to work a different way understand the the potholes of stress and conflict like um uh, talking in a manner that is non-collaborative that Mm -hmm. is not cooperative um, where instead of working on a problem you and i work on each other
0: Mm -hmm. that's a
2: common mistake and that's always war right if you start working on me or try to solve me as the problem, I'm going to try to solve you as the problem, and now we're never going to get out of this, right? Yeah. So that's, that's problem number one. Problem number two is going and referring to the past history, and whenever we do that under stress, we're going to fight over memory, and that's a waste of time because uh, memory sucks. Memory is terrible, always has been, always will be, not reliable. So we keep it to the present and the future. We take the past and we figure out how to solve this problem for the next time together as a we, not a you. Right. Uh, The other problem is, uh, 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 you know, not moving fast enough through conflict. We have to trim the cells, say only the essentials, not get off track, stick to one topic only. Always, always, always. And do not allow each other to uh, to use the associative mind, which is the memory system. Uh, now that I'm in this state of mind of threat, I remember every time I've been threatened by you, it's going to come up. And another thing, and by the way, that reminds me, deadly in, uh, in stress uh, when we're trying to work something out and get out of dodge and go have lunch, right? These are the things that will delay us. Keep us from getting anything, walking away with nothing, and feeling more threatened with a relationship that has more interpersonal stress than it did before. So these are understandings, has nothing to do with personage. All human beings will do the same thing, no matter what gender, no matter what sex, all of us act this way under a certain amount of stress. So we have to learn about it and work differently. We would do this if our lives depended on it. So we know that if you and I uh, were in a three-legged race and uh, and we wanted to win, uh, we couldn't do most of what we did, what we do, because we wouldn't win. We would have to work together or we wouldn't work. Uh, If we were living in Ukraine, uh, God forbid, and bullets are flying over us. Most of the things that we fight about here, we'd never fight about. We have more important things to do. We have to hold together. We have to stay alive. We don't do that, right? And so, uh, it's a whole different ball game when the context is survival. And unfortunately, couples do not understand that this is not a luxury. This is a necessity. Your lives actually do depend on each other. I could prove that. Um, you could too if you just paid attention. Uh, your health, your uh, creativity, your uh, prosperity, uh, your well-being, your happiness, all of that depends on whether the two of you play well together. And if you don't, nobody cares. You just won't make it. You just won't go anywhere. You just won't create anything. You will never solve problems, and everybody uh, will see that, and so including your kids. So this is a necessary thing that, that couples need to do. And unfortunately, it is not in our culture. There is no leadership in this culture. Everyone uh, uh, gets into love relationships for their own particular reasons, based on their own ideas and expectations and entitlements. And we all suffer, suffer the consequences because of that.
1: I'm so excited to tell you about Paleo Valley Beef Sticks, which are one of the healthiest snacks on the market. I tend to not like beef jerky type snacks because they're usually so dry, but these are so juicy and full of flavor. I've been upping my protein for my overall health and physique, so I have zero guilt snacking on these. And because it's a protein snack, I feel fuller in between meals. They are also a great environmental snack choice because they're 100% grass-fed and finished, sourced from small domestic farms that contribute to regenerative agriculture. I feel good doing my part to put an end to inhumane factory farms that negatively impact the environment by the food I choose to purchase. Also, almost every meat snack on the market is made with a processing agent called encapsulated citric acid in order to have a long shelf life, but ECA can cause a ton of health issues. Paleo Valley Beef Sticks uses fermentation instead to give the beef sticks a long shelf life without harmful acids and chemicals. And fermentation is great for gut health. They're also only flavored with organic spices. I'm telling you guys, when you unwrap these, it's like literally juice comes out of the wrapper. That's how juicy and just flavorful these things are. You'll love them. Head over to paleovalley.com forward slash Jade for 15% off your first order. That's P-A-L-E-O- dot com forward slash jade paleo com forward slash jade for 15% off your first order now on with the show yeah that's so true I know that uh if I'm feeling drained from conflict I can't create anything and I'm not definitely not feeling playful I'm yeah so it is always surprises me when I see you uh, write about how conflict needs to be really short. I think you say five or 15 minutes because I'm always like, what? It takes like a day, maybe sometimes two to figure this
2: out. Never, 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 never. You know, you want to keep the the stress, stressful talks short to the point um, where you get to some kind of solution for now that works for both of you. And then you, you kiss and you love each other and you move to another activities, uh, something else. Uh, uh, you want to reduce the time you're in stress relationally, not because of your work, but relationally, right? Because the relationship has to be relatively low stress, no threat, because you're gonna need those resources for the real threat and stress, which is outside, right? And that's the world that does not care about you. That is fickle. That is opportunistic. When the chips are down, only all you have are the two of you by agreement. And so this has to be uh, thought in a different way. It's a different orientation of, uh, of good for me, good for you, because that's how we roll. Uh, and so we're constantly having to think about what's going to work for both of us and we limit it. Limit our solutions to that, that sharpens our ability to think this way. We'll do it faster and faster every time, uh, and it's worth it. And I, it is hard to do, but it's not an idealism. We'll so it forever.
1: You think it's like um, a skill that's learned over time, like at first that maybe it does, and then over time when you become more of an expert at your partner and you're learning that your memory is influencing the situation then it it becomes the shorter cuz i don't i honestly most couples i know they do take a while so i'm 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 guessing that most of us are still going off of our memory we and could not- play,
2: we could play something if you want you have a scenario I mean- we play okay
1: that's <laughs> something that's
2: sometimes the best thing to do so uh, so come up with uh, some kind of scenario
1: hmm um, well, we can use the example in your book that I felt like I got really activated listening to where, um, a woman, uh, was with a man who would go out to lunch with a previous partner, but not invite her. And he would take the phone calls from her in another room. And, uh, yeah, I, it's cool in your audiobook, you actually hear the dialogues and then you yeah, say yeah. what they could have done better. Um, so maybe we can use that as an example because it's fresh in my mind.
2: Okay, so I'm the person who, uh, who is jealous or feels threatened, right? And so I could yell at you. I could yell at you um, and, and do all of that stuff. That is just going to be threatening and you're going to respond to my yelling. You don't care about the content because once I'm threatening, I can't influence you. Once you're threatened, I cannot influence you. So that's a bad strategy. So what I could say is, let's have a sit down. Um, you and I, do you think that it, the best idea for us as a couple, as a, an alliance, that uh, that you and I, the relationship, this relationship, should it come first, above and beyond other people? What do you think?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And let's say you say no, I don't think it should. I think our freedom, uh, our you know ourselves, uh, um, uh, our own growth, our free, uh, you know our ability to do whatever we want comes first and uh and then maybe our career um and then okay uh the relationship well if 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 I believe that the relationship must come first that's my idea of the relationship I want that's an alliance for me for a lifetime um I might say no deal that's a no deal uh Mm -hmm. because you're operating under a different idea than I am right that's a you know you you have a right to do that you have a right to live your life any way you want. that's not the way I want that's we're pointing in two different directions that's called a deal breaker but let's say let's say you you agree with me, yeah, I think that would be a good idea um uh, and the reason we want to put each other first is because everyone is depending on us to be happy and in good in good order, otherwise everyone else suffers around us. We're a bummer to be around right okay, yes, plus. If we're not good, is anything else really good? Uh, you know, our work because we're lowering our resources. So we've made the argument. Okay, there we go. All right, now I want to talk about um, thirds. Uh, you have uh, somebody that you uh, you spend time with, and that uh, throws me under the bus. That's being cloaked. Uh, that's not teamwork. That is not making me uh, or the relation our relationship the most important thing. Not me, but our relationship, and therefore fix it fix it now I don't know what you want to come up with but we can come up with it together but it must be fixed now because it's threatening to me and that does not go along with what we just said mm-hmm. if the relationship comes first uh, and you're doing something that's threatening to me I've got to take care of it and, right so this is a long-winded way of 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 demonstrating not what necessarily the average person would say mm-hmm. but but you first find where you agree and where you are the same, and you work your way downward to that problem. Um, you want apples, I want oranges. We fight, we fight. Okay, one of us gets smart and goes, "Hey, do we both want fruit?" We say, "Yeah." Okay, what are we fighting about? You can have. We want fruit. We were the same. Yeah, we agree. You can have uh, oranges. I'll take apples. As you wish, right? And it's like you know we're, we're pretty dumb as creatures here. Um, and, and we're lazy. And so we do the simplest thing, which is to find where we disagree and where we're different. That's our that's our nature of xenophobia, by the way. We otherize that which we can't manage, right? I, you, you, I can't handle you. You're too different than I am. I don't understand you. I otherize you. I call you a borderline, a narcissist, a codependent. I call you any name that I can because uh, basically I just don't know how to work you. <laughs> that's basically it.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and I can't find cuz I don't think about where we're the same and we are all we have to do is look for it right?
1: Yeah, it's interesting how in those scenarios of the two different types of conversations you use the word freedom in the first one it's interesting how some people would feel more freedom um in that scenario of just okay well then we're done and then other people would feel more freedom in the second scenario where they figure it out together and then there's more freedom through
2: Yes, because we both want to be free. You're not the only person who wants freedom. I want freedom too. Just I don't want your freedom to step on my rights or to step on my sensibilities, nor should you want that. So we have to come up thoughtfully with a plan that works for both of us. So we're both safe and secure, and we're both as free as we can be. Win-win. Yeah. Uh, And again, that's a collaborative effort. Everyone can do it. You just have to, you just have to start to think this way. Um, Otherwise, you will continue to just take care of your own interests. And that is too unfair, too unjust, too insensitive. And your relationship won't last.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, one last thing on the conflict, uh, navigating conflict.
2: And by the way, this is always done when sober. By, yeah. sober, by sober, I mean when neither of you are influenced by adrenal uh, uh, um, you know, chemicals or products. Mm-hmm. That means when you are just fighting or you just came off a fight. Now you do this when you're calm, relaxed, everything's copacetic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, the next time. What are we going to do to prevent this? What are we going to do to make this happen since we both want this, right? That's how you do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
2: and then you predict what could go wrong the next time, plan for it and prepare for it. That's how you do everything.
1: Yeah. but yeah. Uh, emotionally sober. <laughs> So uh, to close off the navigating conflict, one thing that was really big uh, for me that you talked about was eye contact, how it keeps attunement, and how when you lower your eyes, you go into your head, which goes into the memories and the static pictures of your partner based off the state that you're in. Because for me, when I am in conflict, I have a very hard time with eye contact. So um, I, I, I just I want to bring that up because it's it's when you're making eye contact with someone, there is something that causes you to remember who they are.
2: So here's what I tell people, it's all tactical, it's not personal. I'm holding eye contact with you during conflict because I need to track you and I need to see my impact on you every time I talk. Otherwise, it's suicidal. So let's say you and I are on a tight wire and we're facing each other and our lives depend on balance. Uh, Think of that as staying safe and secure. Balance. So, would it make sense for me to wander off my eyes and not look at you? Um, I'm going to get off balance, and you're going to get off balance with me, and we both fall. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I have to watch you carefully, tactically, in order to keep myself safe, right? Because everything I do is going to have an impact on you. And if it starts to make you feel unsafe, I have an interest to return you to safety because once you feel that way, I cannot influence you. I will get nothing. Same with you. So it is all strategic, tactical, uh, and that's why uh, you both should do it. Not uh, across the room, uh, not on the phone, uh, because we're visual animals. We error correct through the visual field and never on text. Never in the email, please don't ever do that because uh, we're going to visualize our partner in our heads. And if our state of mind is angry, what am I going to see? A static picture of Jade in my head, angry and bitter or mean or uncaring or dismissive, whatever it is, right? Um, uh, And so these are... Things You want to be um, face-to-face because we're legally blind on the sides. And the fear centers of our brain trigger more rapidly when we see a face at a glance. That's the other reason, right? Um, and so if you want to be smart and you want to understand how to get in and out of this thing quickly, uh, do the things that I'm I'm recommending. Not because they're polite, but because uh, uh, you want to get something accomplished with the least amount of damage. Yeah. You know, get out of dodge, uh, get to something good for me, good for you. Let's go eat.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm that's something I'm really, really working up to. And it make it does, it makes all the difference. I notice right when I make eye contact, I just I remember, I remember who's in front of me. Tree, yeah.
2: and I just went through this. We just came back and we were doing a um a mini retreat, so to speak. And uh and uh we were tired and uh, and um uh irritable from the travel and everything and uh and and so uh we got into a little scrap last night um after telling people we don't fight anymore and i mm-hmm. guess i say that but uh, we did um uh, it's just so it was a little thing over over unpacking um and so what we do we have principles that things that we have to do we can go to bed angry but we have to at least touch toes right mm. that takes care of it That takes care of it because uh, all we need to know uh, after a fight is that we're okay. I may be angry with you, but we're okay. That's all we need to relax and to sleep well. So we do that, but we also apologize, fall on our swords uh, almost immediately, and that takes care of it as well. So there are things in place that we agree to that we must do, not because we feel like it, but we decided it's the best or right thing we could do even though it will be the hardest thing to do because it's the best. And that's what we hold to. And that's what makes us awesome.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I love that touching toes. (laughs) That would let me go to sleep, so.
2: It does. It works, folks. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do. Uh, uh, Touch is an unequivocal sign of friendliness. Yeah. And, uh, And biologically, it lets us relax and go, okay, we're okay. We're okay, right? Yeah. Uh, And the anger drops and all of it drops. Uh, Usually, sometimes nothing needs to even be resolved. So uh, that's the repair that people must do. And that is really essential. People, learn the art of falling on your sword. I'm sorry, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Full stop. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Nothing after that. Yeah.
0: Nothing. nothing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. no, I did that because you, but, or what about what you did? Or I did this because none of that.
0: Mm-hmm. If you really
2: want to learn how to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, a character driven, high, uh, you know, high integrity person uh, who's doing the right thing when it's the hardest, you fall on your sword completely without justification. And that's it. And then you watch what happens generally the other person does the same Mm. so that's how it works i fall on the sword not because i need to be right but because i value this union this relationship it's more important than anything else that's why i do it of course you're going to do it too
1: Yeah. yeah yeah Beautiful. Thank you. So I end the show with a lightning round of three questions or like one sentence each, but I was hoping uh, before that we could just, if we could close off with just a couple of ways to become an expert of your partner so that they can really feel in our care.
2: So I watch you Jade. Um, I, I, um, I observe you just like I would in my career, which I chose. I chose you. You're going to save my life perhaps one day, I need to know all things about you because that means we're being, we're going to be able to handle any problem, any problem, create anything without getting into a land war. Therefore, I have to know how to handle you in all your different states of mind without using a stick or a whip. That takes practice, just as if you were and I hate it. sounds pejorative, I don't mean it that way, an animal that I, I chose to, uh, to live with me, um, uh, I've got to learn the animal, right? I can't impose myself on the animal, right? So, uh, so I have to learn you, which is a trial and error thing, right? Um, you have to do that with me. So I'm curious. I watch you. I pay attention to when you are difficult for me. And I practice different ways of working with you so that you're not difficult for me. Um, I need to do that because the more I feel that I'm I'm incompetent with you, the more I dislike you. That's mm-hmm. human nature. We don't like things that we can't manage or handle. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so when I do feel I'm able to be really good at Jade, I'm good at Jade. Um, not only do I love Jade and enjoy Jade for that because I feel masterful, but also Jade feels that finally there's somebody who's able to handle her without pushing her away, dismissing her, judging her, uh, getting angry with her, uh, leaving her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, win-win again. So we often don't think we should do this, yet we must, right? I, if we were cop car partners, I'm going to learn everything about you. First, we're on stakeouts. We have a lot of time. Plus, you're going to save my life. And I need to know your weak spots. I need to know who you are because I need to handle you. What if you freeze someday? What if something happens? I need to know how you roll. My life depends on it. So again, love relationships are the only unions that do not have a reason for being stated purpose stated vision for where they're going they do not have a co-created architecture or a co-created culture the only union that doesn't have a reason to come on board based on terms and conditions and that's why they don't last uh, mostly uh, across the globe because all other unions do have a purpose Let's start a band. We're going to play this music. We're going to go here. You're going to get this pay. We're going to have this culture of treating each other this way. Are you in? Yes, I'm in. Good. Right? It's not because uh, we're in love. It's because of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Terms and conditions. That is what protects love. That is what leads to earned love, not the kind that comes and goes like gas. Right? <laughs> you cannot, you cannot uh, rely on that. Why? because we don't think we should. We have a lot of expectations and romantic love. We have a lot of entitlements that go all the way back to family. And because we automate each other very early, we think we know each other and we feel like we can do anything we want because we believe we're family. And that's an illusion. We're not, we'll never be. We are strangers constantly, continually trying to get to know each other because Mm -hmm. that is... Uh, that is what we do as time travelers, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's an it's a different way of thinking. It's a different culture of weism, usism. You do not lose yourself this way. This is not about losing your autonomy. Two fully autonomous, fully independent creatures coming together based on terms and conditions, a purpose, vision, all that stuff. Our differences, if we accept them, is our superpower our superpower, not something we complain about, right? Mm -hmm. We'll always be irritating, we'll always be annoying, we'll always be disappointing, we'll always be contradictory, so what? What we don't want is to be threatening, ever. And we don't want to act in a way that's unfair, unjust, because that is suicide. That will come back to invite us. So it's a different way of thinking, um, but if you were in special forces in the military, if you didn't operate this way, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. You're not important to people to your left and right are more important than you because they're going to save your life. That's the culture they're creating there. And that's how troops actually uh, uh, keep each other alive. So same with partners.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so welcome.
2: It's my favorite topic.
1: And yeah,
2: and I, I live it. Uh, I can attest to it. It is hard, but it's oh. worth it. Uh, and it's a practice.
1: Yeah. It's so beautiful when someone can say, this is my lived experience. I know this works. Yeah. So thank you for that embodiment. Much as anybody else, maybe more, uh, uh,
2: you know, and, uh, I do it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So there's a few short questions we ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say?
2: I, you are so normal. You're fine just the way you are. I am so sorry that you feel so exposed and so vulnerable and so lonely and so odd. Um, you're perfect the way you are.
1: Mm, beautiful. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be?
2: Oh, gosh. Oh, oh my God. Um, Charlotte's Web.
1: Oh, <laughs> I love that.
2: About friendship.
1: Yeah, about friendship.
2: It was something that you would think otherwise would be disgusting.
1: Mm. If you could whisper one phrase, to everyone on the planet, what would it be?
0: Uh, Relationship is everything. It's what you're going to care the
2: most about at the end. Mm. So don't fuck it up. Right. Um, Say what you need to say now, because the person that you love could... Be gone tomorrow and you don't want to regret.
1: Yeah, thank you. Lastly, how can people connect with you? I know you have the um, PACT retreats. So how do they sign up for that and uh, find you online?
2: So people can find me and my wife, Tracy and all of us at thepactinstitute.com. That's the, as in the, P-A-C-T, institute.com. Uh, this started off uh, as uh, for training therapists in a psychobiological approach to couple therapy, which is my approach. But we also uh, serve the public. We do uh, retreats all around the world. We're coming up, we're doing one in Portugal. Uh, oh, wow. Next year, it's a uh, five-star uh, retreat. It's wonderful. We're limiting limiting it to, I think, 18 people. Wow. Uh, but uh, my wife and I do couple workshops. We can't call them retreats because they're online. A couple um workshops throughout the year, uh, two of them at a time at the same time, um, staggered. And so I highly recommend those.
1: Oh, awesome. Okay. I'm going to look into that workshop. Thank you so much. Again, I know I said it at the top of the show when you first came on, but I'm really thankful for your work. I know that it, it, um, it empowers so many people to be able to just feel that they have the tools and the knowledge to relate in ways that weren't modeled for them so really thankful for all the research you've done and all the embodiment that you hold
2: you're not too needy you're you're perfect as you are you're just like me i'm i'm very clingy myself Um, you need to find somebody who's willing to play the same game you are
1: yeah yeah i i believe i have thank you so much and i it it i had to um I had to learn so much along the way. And a big part of that was, was your work. So thank you. Thank you um, so much.
2: It sounds like you were with people who um, had really different interests than you. Yeah. That's why I tell people, um, dream your relationship, not your person. Um, mm. Make a list of what the perfect relationship is that you want, I'm not the perfect person because nobody is. And, and screen people out who are not willing to, uh, to play along.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It means a lot uh, coming from you, especially uh, you saying that you're clinky too and all of that. It's it's yeah. uh, <laughs> it means a lot.
2: I, I was an island most of my life, and um, and then uh, with Tracy, uh, she pulled me in to secure. And uh, islands often go through uh, waves as they develop towards secure oh. develop, developmentally. And so I'm definitely like, where are you going? Why aren't you here?
1: Don't go! I don't go, please
2: uh right and so yeah
1: yeah well beautiful i think it's it likely deepens your work on like you said it's something that you've experienced yourself and it's made it to where you're able to understand these styles and these needs and ways that are really relatable so how old are you may I ask so, 38. 38 i'll be 39 in like two months happy birthday thank you <laughs> you're a puppy so yeah. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm glad i'm glad uh you're in the relationship you want to be,
1: yeah
2: just just hold the line whatever mm-hmm. whatever lines the two of you decide gotta hold it uh, uh without fail, otherwise uh you won't be credible so mm,
1: yeah, thank you thank okay. you so much
2: it's a pleasure yeah
1: all right, you guys okay, so I want to touch on two things um just as like practical examples and um, yeah, uh, little pragmatic ways you can use Dr. Santakin's approach. So we didn't get into microcommunications, but he kind of talked about it a little bit. And one thing that I felt, and one thing I noticed pretty much right away about my partner in the beginning that caused a lot of uh, safety for me, just because I was like, wow, you have to be really present to be able to, uh, communicate in this way. But Dr. Stan Tatkin teaches micro communications and how micro communications build up safety and relationship. So a micro communication is the way you communicate in the small moments and the moments that most would see as meaningless. So if, uh, you're cuddling a partner and you're going to get up and go get water or you're, um, going to get up and go to the bathroom, whatever. You don't just get up and just walk away. You say, I'm going to go get water. Or, I'm going to run to the restroom. I'll be right back. And it's just that there's a level of presence that comes with micro communication that causes uh, so much safety in the relationship. Another example is like um, being really present when you're making love and say, say you guys know you both have to work that morning and it's, you know, you're having your morning make, make, making love little session and you're having to be conscious of time instead of just looking at your phone or looking up at like looking away from the person you're making love to your partner, looking away and looking across the room, you actually say, I'm just going to check the time for us really quick. And it's it doing that instead of just pulling your gaze and your attention away from the person you're being intimate with, it creates this level of <clears throat> safety and intimacy. Um, just like I said, because there's a deep presence there, because if you're not present, you're not going to be able to communicate in that way. You're not going to be able to do the micro communications because you're not even, you're not even fully there. And you see that so much. And when someone glances, you know, looks over at their phone when a partner's talking to them. Like those are the other type of microcommunications that can cause a lack of safety, a lack of security in the in the relationship. So that's one example. And then there was something else he said that I wanted to share. Um, oh, expert. Okay, so he talked about being an expert at your part of your partner. I think that it's so powerful to know your partner's relationship style, of course. And uh, their relationship history and their inner child woundings. Uh, I know as my partner, we know our inner child's core wounds. And so we know how to stay tender to those in conflict. So, and I've posted about this on Instagram, but if my wound is being abandoned, then he knows that in uh, conflict. I'm not trying to control him by getting him to uh, not abandon me. I just I have an inner child need there. And so that allows him to be sensitive to that. I know his need is um, his inner child wound as well. and I can be sensitive to that. So that's another way to be an expert at your partner. One thing that I thought was really cool in our team meeting, um, like two team meetings ago, was he asked me to write down my, hormonal cycle. So my follicular, my ovulation, my luteal and my menstruation, right? Like to write all four down and to write down what I need for each cycle when it comes to, do I need more sleep? Do I need more rest? Do I need more outings? Um, And then specifically, how can he, how, how can he reassure me in each of those? And I noticed, wow, it's in my menstruation that I actually start to doubt the relationship or start to doubt um, that I'm safe at least. And I start to want to ask like, are you sure you love me? Are you sure? Like all of those things or start to feel insecure about, you know, whatever. And that's stronger during that time. So me knowing that becoming a better expert at myself, and then I can share that with him and he can be a better expert as well. And just, he knows, okay, she's in this time of her hormonal season, her hormonal cycle, and I can be sensitive to this. So this is how we become experts of our partners, um, in little practical, little pragmatic ways. I wanted to share those. They've been really big blessings for me and my relationship. Okay. So I'm going to thank the affiliates. Uh, My site jade-bryce.com is where you can sign up for any of my workshops or my women's program or for one-on-one coaching. And then uh, under that link, you'll see paleovalley.com forward slash Jade. I love every single one of their products. I love what they've done for my hair, my skin, um, my muscles, uh, the the way that it's helped me uh, form my physique, uh, it's completely different when I was working out with the, without these supplements. So check that out, paleo valley.com forward slash J they have all types of supplements. Also they have really yummy snacks. So check that out. And then underneath that link, there is a link for a cock worship course. I think it's a beautiful way for us to heal our relationship to, uh, our own genitals and to our partner's genitals. I think it's healing for both of us, and it's a beautiful way to to worship our partner, worship each other. So uh, that's a that's a wonderful uh, course that I've taken myself. And then under that is Gene Keys, that will take you to the dream course about how to use your dreams for realization, but for self realization. But there's also if you use that link to go to his course on love or prosperity, the show will get a small cut on anything that you purchase, and his prices are very reasonable. Under that is Pleasure Wand and Yoni Eggs. These are all links in the show notes. And uh, it's wands, W-A-A-N-D-S Code Jade gets you a discount on any product. I love the cervical wand and the jade egg. Those are pretty much required tools uh, in most of my courses and workshops. They are beautiful altar items, but they're at my... The, the uh, thing that I'm teaching tomorrow for my women's program is how to use the jade egg and uh, pair it with ovarian breathwork. Uh, it's a really powerful tool for pelvic strengthening, for de armoring, for better orgasms. Just there's so many benefits to these tools. So check that out at wands w a a n d s dot and then all things higher all things infrared at higherdose dot com. My favorite is the infrared face mask. I can wear it just when I'm watching something, I can wear it when I'm reading. Uh, It's easy. It's mobile. And then I love my sauna blanket as well because my hair is actually not getting damaged by the heat because it's just the blanket, but it's, uh, yeah, all of their products are great. And I love the women who run the company. Thank you so much guys for tuning in and being on this journey with me. One way you can support the show is by supporting these um, these affiliates because it is is how uh, this show does have expenses and this helps to bring in income for those expenses. And then another way you can support the show is to leave a review or share an episode with a friend. If someone crossed your mind while you were listening to this show, it's likely that they would benefit from the information. So send it along. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember you belong here.